Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hey everybody, it's Nikki the Communication Coach here. I hope you're well and having a good day, whatever you're doing. And today's title is Parenting versus Hostage and Crisis Negotiation. And for those of you that are already parents or have children in your life in any way, shape or form, you might well be smiling now and thinking, oh yeah, actually I can relate to that. Because you find yourself negotiating almost on a day-to-day basis. So I was having a conversation with the 11-year-old in my life yesterday, Megan, And it got me thinking, actually, you know what, sometimes I find it easier to talk to people I don't know in crisis than I do to have emotional parenting conversations. And if you read parenting books, you will see in there that they talk a lot about reflective language, about labelling emotions, and about showing that you're listening and understanding rather than having an emotional conversation where you as the adult are right. And that is very similar to crisis negotiation. And in fact, any sort of showing that you're listening and being in the moment with somebody in a much more personable way rather than I'm the adult way. So this was a conversation in our car yesterday. It was around showering. uh, Strangely enough, at the age of 11, most kids don't feel that showering or cleanliness is high up on their priority lists and if I think back to when I was 11 you know what wasn't that high on my priority list there were much more fun things to do and kind of showering got in the way now we live in a modern day family so Meg is with us 50% of the time and she's with her dad and his partner 50% of the time as well and which is great and works very well for us and and Meg you know what she's a good kid she's very adaptable And she is just starting to find her way now. She's in that, you know, when you look at values and beliefs, there is a, there are three stages of values and beliefs. The first is imprinting where, and it's age 0 to 7, 8, and that's where they listen to you as the adult and the parent, and they're looking at learning from you. And then as they sort of hit that age of 8, 9, up until about 12, 13, they then start to listen to their friends and you'll notice that they are starting to become more independent. I get a, I've get, i noticed that Meg says a lot at the moment, I don't want to. She's not aware of it, I don't think. But she says it a lot, I don't want to. And this is kind of a new development. And so she's pushing back a little bit and finding out her own experiences. And she's listening to her friends more than she listens to her parents sometimes. But that's all natural development. And then later on, you get the socialization period where as they sort of come out of the sort of 15, 16, up until the early 20s, they're influenced more by their own experiences and what's happening around them. So, of course, you're going to get conflict in that. And that's perfectly natural, because if you think about your own values and beliefs and you are instilling, instilling them, instilling, instilling them into your children, then when you get pushback, you're like, whoa, hang on a sec. And the reason you're feeling that way is because it's a belief. It's a strong, firm belief and a value that have in your life. So when your kids challenge that and start to have different beliefs and start to have their own experiences and push back on what you're telling them, then, yeah, of course, it it causes a bit of a friction and a bit of a rub. And that is perfectly normal. What I'm going to teach you today, and I'm teaching myself this 
always at the same time because yesterday I have to say that my other half actually said I wouldn't go down this route anymore Nick if I were you and and quite rightly so and then you stop and check and I have to let the emotional frustration die down inside of me and then we have to move forward because if we don't move forward what happens is is something that actually isn't that important becomes an issue and becomes a big important challenge so here are some of the things I learned and were reinforced again for me yesterday. So the conversation was along the lines of having a shower. Now, uh, Megan will be doing uh, sports at school, so she was a bit sweaty. She's getting to that age where she's changing. I'm sure she's not going to appreciate me saying that on the podcast. But, you know, as, as we grow and develop, we do change, and we do um, perspire in a different way, and we have different hormones, etc., etc. And so... Cleanliness is, as an adult, more important. In fact, it's more important to some adults than it is to other adults. And again, that's values and beliefs. Um, and our belief system, mine and my partner's, is, you know, you shower and you're, you're clean every day. That's, that's our belief system. So Megan's belief system <laughs> is I will shower when I really have to. And if I can get away with not showering, I will get away with not showering. So the conversation went along the lines of, have you had a shower over the last couple of days? Uh, no. Okay, any particular reason why not? I didn't have time. You didn't have time? No. So tell me a little bit about that. So it transpires that that Meg doesn't feel that she has time for a variety of reasons in the lifestyle that she has over her at her dad's. And in fact, if you were to say the same thing here, if we didn't literally make her shower, she would say, I don't have time. And the reason she doesn't have time is because it's not important to her. So the reason we make time for it and have a habit installed is because it's important to us for a variety of different reasons. So remember, we're dealing with that belief. And so my belief system is being challenged by her. Her belief system is actually sharing is not that important and I don't have time. Now I'm thinking, of course you have time. Of course, how could you not have time for a shower? So the conversation goes along, I challenge her, she challenges me, we both start to feel frustrated, I'm self-aware enough to think actually I'm feeling frustrated now I need to slow this conversation down and probably end it and my partner also pointed that out and said you know you're challenging Meg's belief here that she didn't have time and Meg wants to be right in this conversation as do you quite rightly so so settle down yeah I'm feeling a bit frustrated I'm not going to lie my emotions are the same as everybody else's I'm feeling a little tense across the shoulders but I relax into it I know that 90 seconds and that will dissipate that initial reaction through my body will dissipate and my logical brain will start to kick in and I'll think about actually you know how important is this conversation about sharing in the greater scheme of life so look I'm not saying in any way shape or form that you're you should just let your kids get away with, with whatever they want to do I'm not saying that at all I'm going to hopefully give you a way of addressing the conversation whatever the challenge might be and then finding a way forward from that so I've got five points for you today and the first one is about emotions. And I talk about this in other podcasts and it's I talk about it a lot in being in the moment with people. And I've learned so much from negotiating with people, from coaching people and from now being a parent and a partner is that there are often emotions involved in any conversation that we have. And if you let those emotions take over, they will drive the conversation and you will then say and behave in a way that you probably wouldn't normally do and if you think about your own life when you're emotional I'm betting you say or do 
actions and words that you don't necessarily mean and that perhaps afterwards you regret. So life is a lot easier if we don't live with regret. So if we can catch the action before we say it and catch the words before we, sorry, catch the action before we do it and catch the words before we say them, then we can improve the conversation and actually the relationship long term. And if you think about your own childhood and the boundaries that you started to push back on and the values and beliefs that your parents or whoever brought you up in your life had, uh, you'll be able to reflect on this and know. Because, you know, there's that great saying that, and I use this often, but I was a great parent before I had a child in my life. I had all these ideas about what it would be like. And then the reality is it, it isn't the same. And I've learned a lot. And I've read a lot of books around parenting because they're very important in the negotiation world. They're very important in the coaching world. Because when you are emotional, you don't think logically. And to get you to make rational decisions, you have to bring you back to a place of logic. So, emotions. Again, check in with them. Make sure you know how you're reacting. Be self-aware enough to go, okay, actually, I'm just going to take a deep breath here. And I'm going to count to 10. And I'm just going to slow it down. And I'm going to think, what am I about to say? What am I about to do? And is that going to A, hurt, ruin, shame, put guilt on somebody when I don't want to do any of those actions? So be aware of your emotions. So I know that I was frustrated. I could hear Meg was frustrated. I could hear it in her voice. And um, I wasn't getting, I wouldn't say I was getting angry. I was just getting frustrated because I wanted to get my point of view across, which needs leads nicely onto my second point around the need to be right. Many of us have conversations wanting to be right, wanting to justify what is going on in our minds and to listen for everything that makes us right. So when I say to Meg, you did have time, I'm telling her that she had time. Her belief is, I didn't have time. We both want to be right. Guess what happens when you both want to be right? You don't listen. You don't hear what the other person's saying. You don't empathize. You're not in the moment with them. It's all about you and what you want to be true. And you're making it about you being right. And we do this so often. I hear conversations on the train, in coffee shops, in schools, all over the place about the other person needing to be right. And you'll often hear, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Ah, you see, well, that point actually shows me. And what I found I was doing with Meg is I was going through her daily schedule and in my head I was saying, you know, there's loads of time there. How could you not have had a shower? There's loads of time there. And in her head, she was justifying why she was right. Okay, so that's the need to be right. Then thirdly, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Now, I can only live my life as me. The only person I am in control of is me. The only emotions I have any control of are mine. And I have to take responsibility for that. And sometimes that is so hard. You know, I'm not saying this is easy, ladies and gents, because if you're changing the way that you communicate and you behave, it's a behavior change. And behavior change is hard because you have to be self-aware about it. And often we don't want to hear how we come across or how we are. And that sometimes is a barrier. Well, in fact, it is a huge barrier to change. And, and, you know, I count myself in all of this. I've been lucky enough to 
have a lot of self-reflection and personal development and growth time and I've done a lot of reading and, and work with a lot of people and work with some amazing mentors who've really helped me to understand this. But it's about putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Now, I have mentioned Heeres and I continue to mention Heeres because I think the work that they done they do personally is amazing. Heeres are a charity in Croydon who are a uh, scheme where they're all service users and they help other service users. And we brought them into the negotiation course so that they could give a perspective from actually what it's like to be in crisis with mental health illness. You know, I can give it from my own perspective, but I've never been standing on the roof being talked to by a police officer. I've never been at the point where I wanted to end my life. Yeah, I've had times where I can't get out of bed and I can share those feelings and what it was like to be there. I can share breaking up of relationships, being bullied at work, not having a good time um, at, at in my private life. You know, I can share all of those things. Um, but they've never pushed me to the point where I wanted to stand on the edge of a roof or to take tablets or to... Um, take my own life and so when you talk to people who have actually been in that situation you learn a lot from them and I've had the privilege and the pleasure of working with those people and you know that that's a real privilege for me and they taught me about a great deal about putting yourself in the other person's shoes because what works for one person isn't going to work for another and often students would say to me, okay, Nick, so if you were in this situation, what would you say? And I would say, you know, I know you want the answer. I know you want that golden nugget sentence for me to tell you, but I can't give it to you because what will work on somebody that I talk to might not work when you say it because you're not me. And the person you're talking to isn't the person I spoke to before because we're all unique and we're all individual. And that's why being present and being in the moment and listening to what other people are saying is, is the most, it's the biggest gift. So I'm just searching for some words here because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to explain it to you in a way that you will un understand and comprehend about how powerful it is. So when I coach, there are, is a system and a process that I use for coaching, uh, which I know works because I've seen it work. But it doesn't work in the same way and the same format for everybody else, for everybody that I coach, because we're all individual and we're all different. Likewise, if somebody were to coach me in the same way that they coach somebody else, because they believe that was the way it was going to work, then it might not work for me. So I can't give you a magic line to say. What I can say is listen to what you're being told by the person you're speaking to. Put yourself in their shoes. You're never going to be completely able to do that because you have your own experiences, your own values and beliefs and your own thought processes. But when you listen and you take time to think about what you're actually being told, then you can, you can think about, do you know what, how would I feel? How would I genuinely feel if that was happening to me? And that genuineness will help. So this simple conversation in the car about having a shower how can I now relate to an 11-year-old? So the trick is for me anyway, and I believe this works, is that you stop, you take yourself back to what it was like then. Because, of course, we're all great kids, weren't we? Not. We, all, we never used to row with our parents, did we? We never used to push those boundaries. Yeah, of course we did. I was the most awful teenager in the world. 
I really was. You know, I went to work in a hotel for four weeks and I came back just believing I knew everything and that my mum was never, ever going to be able to tell me what to do again. Thankfully, that passed. But, you know, there were a few years there where I know I put my mum, especially for a really, really difficult time. Um, I have apologised for that, of course, on a regular basis. But, yeah, you know, so think about that. And just because we're the adult doesn't mean that we can't think about what it was like to go back to that time when when our priorities were incredibly different, when what we wanted to do was to play on a computer. I remember having a simple Simon game. I don't know if any of you are this old but listening to this, but it was like a round computer that had four different squares, different colours and made different noises and you had to copy uh, the actions of the computer. And I spent hours on that, hours and hours on it. I thought it was just amazing. And so it's the same now with Kindles and games and gaming and all those different aspects it's just they have more access to them but it was the same in my day it was just a different game and if you're older than men and computers weren't around there there will be something that you wanted to do that was more important than actually what your mum and dad wanted you to do or whoever was looking after you at the time so put yourself in the other person's shoes compromise okay now this is a good tactic to have because you um we offer choice without giving choice. Mm, let me explain that a little bit more. So I let the conversation go. Gosh, I really hope Meg is never going to listen to this because <laughs> she'll know all the tactics that I try on her. But she, uh, so we let the conversation go, settle it down. I know she's getting frustrated. And I'll come on in a minute to moving the conversation away from that. But later on, I know we've got scouts in the evening because I was doing some fitness training with them for their fitness badge and I know she's going to get hot and sweaty again so I also know that by the time we're going to get back all she want is a hot chocolate and I will want her to go to bed before school the next day so I'm going to give her a choice which actually isn't a choice so what I say is do you want a shower tonight or in the morning so do you want a shower tonight or in the morning so the perception from her is she has choice because we all like to be in control and we all like to make choice. Think about yourselves in that. But actually there is no choice because there will be a shower in the evening or in the morning. And she chooses the morning and that's fine. And that's it. So she gets up in the morning, she has a shower and it's done. Then the last point is moving on. So don't dwell on the conversation. It's very easy to get wrapped up in your own emotions feel that you should be right or feel that you shouldn't be being challenged and then keep the conversation on point and it just goes round in a big circle and everybody just gets more and more and more frustrated then it will carry on into the evening carry on into the night and then maybe by the next morning you'll have moved it forward or maybe you won't maybe you'll still be carrying on the conversation so don't dwell move on leave it yes that might be hard Yes, your brain might be screaming at you to carry on the conversation because you want to be right and you want to instill your values and beliefs. And actually, you're 11 and you will do what I tell you to do, um, which is the same as your boss saying, I am your boss and you will do what I tell you to do. So think about how you would feel if somebody said that to you. So these are my five tips for bringing negotiation into the world of parenting. Parenting, I personally find difficult because it's emotional I love it but it is difficult you know there are no rule books 
there are other people that have been through this and language that you can learn and behavior that you can learn, which will definitely help. I'm a great believer in that. If somebody else has been through it and made a ton of mistakes, then learn from their mistakes. And so they're the five points. Emotions, be aware of them, deal with them, walk away if you need to. You don't need to be right in every conversation you have. Of course, you'll want to be right and you'll want to justify. It's called a cognitive bias, so you'll want to justify what you believe to be true. Put yourself in the other person's shoes, and this could be from from parenting or from anybody that you meet, if you're a teacher or if you're a manager, any sort of relationship that you have, this will work as well. So put yourself in the other person's shoes. And then compromise. So compromise without compromising, which is giving choice without giving choice. Do you want the shower tonight or do you want it in the morning? And then finally move on, don't dwell, so it doesn't become the whole topic of the day because it will affect the relationship and it will affect how you feel for the rest of the evening. I'm going to take a lovely quote from one of my mentors, Rob Moore, who says, you know, you don't have a bad day or a good day. You have bad moments or good moments in each day. And I firmly believe that is true. And since I've learned that, it helps me to move on a lot quicker than I have done before. Great. Well, thanks ever so much again for joining me. Please, if you have any questions, just let me know. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a great day. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Comms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you.